Would you turn please to Matthew, the 16th chapter, Matthew 16. We'll begin reading in verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. It said, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the Son of Man am. Of all the questions that you answer in this life, this is perhaps the most important one. Who you think Jesus is and what you do with that knowledge determines what kind of life you have down here and determines what kind of eternity you have. So it doesn't get any more important than this. He says, whom do, do men, we might say, who do people say that I am? Jesus said. Verse 14. They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah the prophet or some say you're one of the prophets. So there were a variety of opinions and positions about who he was. And it's still that way today, isn't it? There are people that believe that uh, Jesus lived. He's a historical figure, but they don't even believe that he is virgin born. They don't believe he raised from the dead. They believe he's just a man. He had an impact and influence and began Christianity and that he's a great moral teacher. If that's all you believe, the Bible says you're lost. Lost. And that you would die in your sins. I'm quoting scripture. Others say, well, you know, like, like this some this, some that, some another, variety of opinions. Verse 15, he said to them, but whom say you that I am? So they told him what they heard other people saying. He said, I want to know what you say. These are his own staff, if you will, that traveled with him. Peter, James, John, those guys, the twelve. He said, but who do you say that I am? Now, we, uh, when we think of Jesus, we think of the Son of God. But you've got to remember that that's not automatically who they saw him to be. Even the people that knew him and lived with him and traveled with him, they, they saw him as a man, as a prophet, as a holy man. But as the Messiah, most people didn't see that. As the Christ, even today, we've got all kind of people that say, well, he's not the one to come. They're still looking for somebody else. So this question of who do you say I am, it's a big one, isn't it? And there's all kind of people say, well, what does it matter? It matters. It really 
matters. It matters as much as anything can matter. Heaven and hell matters. But people don't believe in that either. But everybody's going to find out really soon, regardless of what you thought. We're going to find out what's real. He said, whom say you that I am? Keep going. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this is a remarkable statement. And Peter was not one for holding back. If he saw something, if he believed it, he's going to say it. He's going to he's going to put it out there. Right or wrong. <laughs> and uh, he just he just says it. Well, like we just got through saying, most uh, most people in that day, they didn't see Jesus that way. But he's saying unequivocally, without hesitation, not you might be, you are the Christ. Not, well, we've been wondering about it, <laughs> if maybe you are. No, say it out loud, you are the Christ, are the, Christ. The, son the Son of the living God. Well, in case you were wondering, that's the right answer. <laughs> I said, that's the right answer. Yes, Come on, say it again. You are the Christ, you are the, Christ. The, son the Son of the living God. Of the living God. That's the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? There's a lot of junk around. You know, there's a lot of programs and shows and so-called documentaries and dramatized things about Jesus. And a lot of it is absolute junk and worse. A lot of it is just fabricated lies. So don't just watch everything that's around. You got a Bible to give you the real story. And that's what you need to know. Who is Jesus? Help me out, church. Who, who is who is Jesus? He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ means the anointed one. The, he's the anointed one, the Messiah sent to save the world. Anointed to save us and sent to save us. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If we just said that the rest of the day, it would really help us. And uh, verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona. Now you'll find that uh, Peter's name is a factor. In these verses. It's been repeated already a couple of times. It's going to be repeated a couple of times more. Bar Jonah. Just means the son. Of Jonah. But they kept saying. Simon Peter. And. uh, He said for flesh and blood. Has not revealed it to you. 
but my Father which is in heaven. He's saying, uh, Peter, you're, you're blessed. You didn't figure this out. You didn't get this from uh, anybody on the planet. You got this from heaven. From the Father revealing it to you. And that's probably why, not no probably about it, that's why he just kind of said it. Because it was revealed to him and he's like, I got something. I got something. Because when he asked, who do you say that I am? He got it. And so he just said, you're the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Peter. You didn't get that anywhere down here. You, The father revealed it to you. Can you get revelation not of this world? Can you get revelation that didn't come from any other flesh and blood human being? Then this is knowledge and revelation and light that is apart from this world. Hallelujah. It would help us if we thought more uh, about the things of God and reality, less about dusty theology books and seminary and denominations and all of that, and more about the universe and space-time continuum. And atomic power. And light. That's reality. And that's in the Bible. Because that's who God is. That's what he made. Not this staid. Crusty. Religious legalism. That men have come up with. Over the centuries. Romans 1 tells us. That what can be known about God is revealed. That it's revealed in his creation. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Now those are some big things. Being able to understand God's eternal power and the Godhead. The Bible says you can understand it. How? By looking at the things that are made. Romans 1. By looking at the things that are made. What's God like? Look up into the night sky. <laughs> Look across the oceans. Look at the mountain ranges. What's he really like? Don't look for a dusty theology book. Hmm. It'll help you keep your, your thinking right too. Because people will stare out into space. And that's one of the biggest questions with all of the... Uh, Research vessels and telescopes and, and all of this is, is there life out there? The book says yes. <laughs> Always has been. <laughs> yes. You think there's any, any beings out there that are not human? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's beings down here that's not human. 
Angels. Evil spirits. They're real. And the reason why it's not so obvious is because they are, angels in particular, are multidimensional. That's amazing. They, uh, didn't the Bible say that you need to be watchful about entertaining strangers? Because some have entertained angels without knowing it, unawares. Well, how could you do that? Because they looked just like us, right? Yeah, but they're spirit beings. Yeah, but they can manifest in this realm too. And uh, you and I are not just physical beings. We are spirit beings. So we have access to that realm too. Most people don't know much about it, don't have much interaction with it, but it's not because they can't. God is spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the more spirit aware we are, and particularly the more spirit of God aware we are. Like my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, said often, we need to be more God inside minded. Is he in you? I said, is he in you? Is the Holy Spirit in you? Is the greater we well, he's he's not human. He's not Terran. He existed before the earth did. Pre-earth. He was involved in the forming and creation of the earth. You remember when before God spoke and changed things, the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep. He was here. These things are real and ancient ancient and God knows the end from the beginning which means he's able to observe above time we don't even understand that but that's a good thing to note there's a lot you don't understand and what you want to do is let God enlighten you just like he did Peter right Let God enlighten us with this revelation from heaven, hallelujah, that you didn't get from flesh and blood, but that is life-changing, even eternity-changing revelation. And it ties back into this one. Who do men say that I am? Help me out, church. You are the Christ. The Christ. The Christ means you're not looking for another Savior. He's it. You're not looking for another Messiah. You're not looking for another deliverer. To say He's the Christ means He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of the one who was to come to save mankind. He's it. I said, He's it. He's it. The Son is. Of the living God. Keep reading here. Verse 18. And I say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And. And. 
I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I want to begin a new uh, series this morning. The keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. The keys of the kingdom. How many believe this must be very important for the Lord to say this the way he did? And the reason I backed up and read a couple of verses, we want to be reminded of the context that this came in. If you back up to the previous verse in verse uh, 18, he said, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock. Now, the reason he said that is because there's two different words used for rock here. Peter, Jesus gave him this name, and it means a stone. The words are Petra and Petros. And they they mean, both of them are are rock, but different. One of them's a rock you maybe could hold in your hand and transport somewhere or throw. That's Peter. The other one is rock like a cliff, like a bedrock foundation, even like a mountain range rock. And so when he says, On this rock I will build my church. He is not talking about Peter. Now you might think, well, I, you know, is that a big deal? It's a deal. (laughs) And we'll see as time goes how much we'll get into this, but if we were so inclined, I could take you to half a dozen verses right now to prove that Peter is not who the church is built on. Now he had his part. He and the other apostles, they were involved in foundational work in the beginning of the church. And he is a rock. Jesus said he is. But he's not the rock that the church is built on. I don't think you'd have to stretch too much to to see that. Right? Peter's not That's making too much of Peter. I think if Peter was here right now, he'd say, oh, no. The church ain't built on me. (laughs) It's not what the Lord said. (laughs) Who do you think this rock is? Well, you got to go back to the previous verse, right? What were they talking about? What were they talking about? Who do men say that Peter is? No. You know, for one thing, Five verses later, Jesus rebukes Peter. Right? He says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. Five verses later, is he rebuking the foundation of the church? No. No. And then, five or six verses after that, they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, and Peter wants to make Jesus equal 
with uh, Elijah and Moses and said, well, let's build three tabernacles just alike for you. And, and then the father speaks and says, listen to my son. No. Peter would be the first to tell you, uh-uh. Church ain't built on me. What, what's he talking about? What does the Lord build his church on? Well, how can you even get into the church? You must be born again. How does that happen? Romans 10, 9 and 10 talks about the new birth. You got to believe something. You got to say something. What is it? You must believe, right, on Jesus, that he's Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You must believe he's the Christ then, son of the living God. So what he's talking about is this revelation. Him, the revelation of him, the Christ, he is the rock. He is the stone that the builders rejected. That's become the chief and the cornerstone. I mean, there's just verse after verse after verse that proves that Jesus is the foundation. He is the rock. And him being the Christ, the Son of God. You you cannot make too much of Jesus. You can make too much of other people. But not Jesus. And this is one of the indications of wrong spirits versus the Holy Spirit. Remember 1 John talked about the indication of a wrong spirit is spirits that won't even acknowledge that Jesus came in the flesh. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And that is belittling him and making him only a man that he wasn't virgin born, that he wasn't raised from the dead, And that's the enemy lying and trying to steal and trying to keep people from being a part of the church. And the scripture in Peter says that we're all living stones. Right? Living stones in the church that the Lord is building. Every time you see lost people, you should think building materials. (laughs) Building materials, right? Why? Because every time somebody's born again... That's another stone, living stone, that it's sealed into the structure, the church, the building that God's building. And I reckon when the last one is in place, hallelujah, and this gospel is preached all over the world. He said, then the end will come, and then uh, he's moving in, and we're moving in with him, and Hallelujah. A lot to look forward to. But in the meantime, what's he talking about? On this, uh, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The reason I say that is because some people, even some whole groups and denominations, they say he gave the keys to Peter. But that's not so. Look over to the 18th chapter, just a couple of verses later, 18th chapter, and verse 18. He said, verily I say to you. Now, this was not addressed to Peter. 
This, this, this was addressed to all of them there. Verily I say to you, and since it's inspired word of God, it's addressed to us today. I say to you, whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This was called, just two chapters previous in 16, this was called the keys of the kingdom. Now, not just keys to the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom. Why do I say it like that? Well, people tend to look at things like this as only symbolic, like the key to the city, right? You know, local boy or girl makes good and they come home. And they have a little ceremony in the town square and give them the key to the city. What does that mean? <laughs> Heard somebody say nothing. Well, I might not go that far. But does the key actually fit anything or will it unlock anything? Purely symbolic. Why? Why do I say that? Because I think people tend to, to look at something like this and go, well, it's not really a key, so... It's just, you know, symbolic like that. No, 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 no. It is not just symbolic. Well, what are the keys of the kingdom? It's binding and loosing. We know that. And I'm convinced that uh, we're not doing enough of it. I'm convinced. Keys of the kingdom. This is the way you live in the kingdom. This is the way you function and operate in the kingdom. Is by binding and loosing. Now the word key, the word bind, the word loose, is pretty much what you think it means. If you look them up, the word key... It means like a key that unlocks a door or a gate, locks and unlocks. And so what the key does is it gives you the ability to access something and go in and out or to prevent access. Just like a key on your house or apartment or on your car. And I know people say, well, no, we got a key fob today. You said key. <laughs> it's still the same thing. Whether it's metal or whether it's electronic, it gives you access. And it prevents unauthorized access. Right? If you don't have that fob or that literal key, then you can't use the car. It's off limits to you. So it, a key both restricts access and gives access. Hallelujah. And in the kingdom, there are keys. This is the way it has been. This is the way it is. Keys that give access, even from ancient times. To have the keys to the gates 
or to the building or to the doors or whatever, of course back then it was all mechanical, means you had been authorized by someone to own the keys showed ownership. But it all came back to having the right to enter, the right to forbid entry. Well, down here in this earth, there's a lot of things going on. And there are not only human spirits, but there are wrong spirits. And there are angelic spirits. And there is the Holy Spirit. And these wrong spirits are doing a lot of bad stuff. And they are being allowed to do it. Because they are outlaw spirits. God didn't give this earth to them. He gave it to man. And man bowed his knee and listened to the enemy. And the enemy, the devil, has wound up now in the position, 2 Corinthians 4.4, calls him the devil, the God of this world. Much of the church doesn't believe that. They say God is in control. No. No. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Anybody know it? They asked him, said, Lord, you know, teach us to pray. What did he say? Help me out. He said, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Now just stop right there. These keys of the kingdom are about heaven-earth interaction. See, go, go back to what he said. Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Where did where, he get it? From heaven. From the Father. Is that what he said? And then he says, and I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of Christ. He's talking about the same kingdom. Kingdom of, of heaven. Kingdom of God. And so listen to the prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Tell me the very next thing. Thy, thy what? Thy, thy See, it's too many times we've brushed over that. But that's the first thing that we're told to ask about before our own personal needs. And of course, that's the principle. If you seek first the kingdom of God, then the Lord has every right to take care of all your personal needs. We saw that in Matthew 6 in the offering. So, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now again, what? On earth as it is in heaven. So, God wants heaven manifested on the earth. Heaven's will, heaven's things, heaven's kingdom, God's will, God's plan. And apparently it is not being completely done or we wouldn't be told to pray that it would be. So this thing that 
God's in control and everything that's happening is God's will is absolutely not true. Not on the earth. Not true. Most of what's happening on this earth is not of God. It's not God's will. You want to know God's will? Look at heaven. Is that right? No more sorrow. No more pain. No more crying. No more dying. No more curse. No more evil. Does that sound like earth? No. No. How many people hungry in heaven? None. What's the crime rate? Well, maybe on the south side. It gets a little rough sometimes after dark. What's the crime rate in heaven? Who's being oppressed? Who's being stolen from? Who, who, who's being mistreated? You know why? Because God's will is being done completely in heaven. And what does he want to happen down here? He never changes. He wants the same thing. He wants the same thing. What does he say? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now that gives you insight into what the kingdom is. What is the kingdom? Kingdom is the combination of the word king and the word dominion. So the kingdom is where the king rules. Thy kingdom come. What's the next phrase? Thy will be done. If the king is really in control of his kingdom, then the king's will is being done. If the king's will is not being done, he, he or she's not really in control. And so the kingdoms of this world are where their heads rule, whether it's a king or a dictator or prime minister, or a combination, but the, the USA is a kingdom where the will of the powers of the USA are accomplished. And all these kingdoms are not going to last. The kingdom of God, the Bible says, and actually if you go back to the book of Daniel, where the Lord showed Nebuchadnezzar in that dream the different kingdoms that would come down through the ages. It's, it's an amazing thing. If you've never read it, it's the future. The past and the present and the future. And it talked about the different kingdoms that were represented by the different parts of this statue. And then he said, after all of those there came a stone that was cut out without hands. Hallelujah. 
And it filled all the earth. And that this was the kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God that shall never end. And can you see that the Lord said, on this stone, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, which are operated with keys, yeah, all of them were, key locked, key opened. The gates of hell shall not prevail. What does that mean? The authorities, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, they can't stop us. They can't stop what God is doing in building his church. Oh, somebody say, they can't stop us. They, they can't stop us. And one of the big things that we need to get settled in us is that there's no reason for us to fear powers of darkness at all. Demons exist, but they are not these Hollywood monsters that are portrayed in movies and books. And I mean, we're around the Halloween time, so there's all these horror shows around. And, and these must No. For one thing, they're spirits. And unless somebody will yield to their influences, they can't do a thing. If nobody would yield to the influences of wrong spirits, it would be like they didn't even exist. Sadly, they have no problem getting people to listen to them and yield to them. But they can't make you do anything. And they can't stop you. When you bowed your knee and received Jesus as your Lord, the devil lost any control over you. He is nothing to you. Woo! He's got no control over you. None. The only way he can manifest in your life is to trick you into listening to him and you not realizing it's him, yielding to his thoughts and feelings and suggestions and lies that he brings. That's the only way. But as far as him being able to make you do anything, he can't. Not that he doesn't want to. He can't. Spirit beings have no expression in this realm except through those that will yield to them. And you are in complete control of who you listen to and who you yield to. And greater. Greater. Oh, somebody say greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Why do you think that if you sincerely, genuinely resist the devil, what happens? He doesn't just leave. He flees. That means runs away, flies away. Why? Because he can't handle the one who's inside you. He can't deal with him. 
He can't even begin to deal with him. They never get in a wrestling match. Never. Wrong spirits are only able to operate where there's a lack of God's influence. They operate in the dark. They operate in ignorance. They operate in deception. And there's plenty of it around. So much so that darkness is covering the earth. But there's coming a day. I said there's coming a time when the glory of God will cover the earth. Like the waters cover the sea. And the kingdom of God will encompass all. And God's will will be done. Everywhere. And the devil and all his cohorts will be permanently separated and removed from contact with us for eternity. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. But until then, how do you function in the kingdom? How do you operate? What do you say? Verse 18. Whatsoever, this is Matthew 18, 18, similar to what he said in Matthew 16. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth. Who's going to do it? You're going to do it. I said, who's going to do it? Somebody say, I'm going to do it. I must do it. Can you already see one of the biggest problems in the church? How much of the church is doing this? Most of the church comes and preaches and sings and amens that it's all up to God. God's in control. That's the main thing. And not taking responsibility for any of this. What did Jesus say? The rock, the revelation of him, the Christ, that's the foundation of the church. That's what this whole thing is built on. That's how it's going forward, and the devil can't stop it. And I'm giving you, oh, come on, can you hear it? I'm giving you, Jesus said, the keys of the kingdom. I'm giving you. What's the keys? Well, read the rest of the verse. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Can you see this heaven-earth interaction? Do we want heaven manifested in our lives? We want the power of God, the will of God manifested in our situations. How do we do this? Not just, he could have easily said, if you'll beg... Just beg night and day. And if you really, really beg well enough, I'll show up and do something if it's my will. No, it's not what he said. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Really. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Are there some things that need to be bound down here? Oh, are there some things that need to be loosed? Are there some things that need to be restricted? 
shut down, shut off. Are there some things that need to be allowed and promoted? Who's in control of all this? Who got the keys? Who got the keys? I know Phyllis said something the other day I, I thought was excellent. We're talking about a certain town and somebody was saying how that drugs had gotten really bad there and then crime had gone up and and they were just upset about it. But that's the end of it. And she said, I think we need to quit complaining about this and do something about it. <laughs> she said, we have authority. Especially if you live there, you have authority. How much of the church just watches the news and goes, mm-mm-mm. Tisk, tisk, tisk. This is not good. This is not good. Well, that's exactly what unbelievers are doing. That doesn't change anything. That doesn't help anything. Something we need to begin asking ourselves Can I do something about this? Oh, come on. Are y'all with me or not? I said, We need to start asking ourselves this question Can I do something? About this. What, what do you mean? How, how could I do something about this? In the name of Jesus. With the keys of the kingdom. Can I bind something? Can I shut something down? Do you think we could do more of this? Can, can we be more aware of this? I know the more that Phyllis and I have learned about this. I mean, I do this every day. Every day. I sense something that's not right. And it has to do with our life and our ministries and our churches. That's why I said, you need to ask yourself, can I do something about this? Why would you even say this? Well, this authority that we have is not over human spirits. And we'll be talking more about that later. But you don't have the authority to bind human spirits. Because that would be you controlling other human beings through spiritual means. God himself doesn't do that. And so you can't. You, you can try to do it. It ain't going to work. And if you're trying to do that, that's akin to witchcraft. Trying to manipulate other people's will and control them through spiritual things. You can call it prayer if you want to, but it's akin to, to witchcraft. No, you got to know where do I have authority and where do I not? And there's other, we're going to get into other scriptures. We go. This is our first day on this. But. If it's at my house and my stuff and my business, you don't have to have discerning of spirits to exercise authority. You don't have to see into the realm of the spirit. If it's stealing, killing, destroying, you know it ain't God. Is that right? You know it's not God. He said it's the thief. Yeah. 
And the Spirit of God will help you on this if we're aware. And you realize, hold on, hold on, something's not right on that. What's, what's trying to go on there? Immediately, when you realize, I can do something about that. You say, you foul spirits. I command you to stop. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. Oh, man, they're hoping you never found that out. Oh, they're so hoping that you would just stay in the dark about that the rest of your life. Because you talk about messing up their business. You can mess up demons' business. I mean... They can have been working on something for 10 years. Setting it up. Trying to orchestrate it toward this destruction. And you find out about it and you go, uh-uh. No, you not at my house. Not around my stuff, you don't. I command you to stop in your operations. Cease in all your maneuvers. I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you do that in faith... They will scream. They will go, no, no. But they can't do anything about it. They have to stop. They have to leave. Because you have been given the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Somebody say, we have been given the keys of the kingdom. Hallelujah. What do keys do? They lock up. They prevent access. They prevent movement. I mean, if you lock the door, nobody can go in. Is that right? Nobody can go out. What does keys do? They allow access. They open things up and allow what's there to come in here. Well, what do we want? We want what's in heaven. We want the will of God coming into the earth. Isn't that what he said? He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And here it is, that connection. On earth as it is in heaven. Then he's talking about you personally and what you need today. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Tell me the rest of it. Lead us not into temptation. But what? He doesn't want evil to have control over us. He wants us to be led by his spirit. His spirit will keep us clear of the evil and they don't have control over us and their evil plans won't be done in us. Deliver us from evil. Tell me the next part. What's the next part? For yours is the kingdom. I mean, this prayer starts out with the kingdom and finishes up with the kingdom. Come on, can you see that? Well, what is the kingdom? It's where the king's dominion and influence and will is done. What are the keys of the kingdom? It's whoever has the authority to stop and bind and loose and allow. That's authority. Kingdom. How do kings reign in their kingdom? 
Not by their own personal physical force. Not by them having to be everywhere personally, physically. Tell me how kings reign. Come on, how how do kings reign? With their authority and their commands. Is that right? Let this be done. I want this stopped. All they got to do is from the throne room, say it. Bind it. Loose it. And it happens even to the point of armies being dispatched. Is that right? And traveling a thousand miles to accomplish the will and the plan of the king. And he didn't even leave the room. I said he didn't even leave the room. Go with me to Revelation, please. We'll close with this. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's there's so much here. So much here. Let's look in Revelation 5. Well, Revelation 1. There's quite a bit about this in the book of Revelation. Perhaps we'll get there in time to come. You going to believe with me? So when things come up and you hear something you don't like and you see something you know is not God and you know is not right, what's a question you should ask yourself? Can I do something about this? Church, this will change your life. Can I do something about this? You can't control other people. You don't have authority over human spirits. So don't try to do that. But there are cases where you can command spirits that are influencing those people to stop. So you want to ask yourself this question on a regular basis. Can I do something about that with the authority that I have as a believer in Jesus' name? Can I? At least be open. At least look for it. And then when you got you got a quickening about it and you see that you it is within your your scope of authority, don't hesitate. Mess up the devil's business. Don't hesitate. Disrupt them and prevent them. Didn't Jesus say, whatever you bind on earth, it'll be back. I mean, heaven's going to back you up. Whatever you lose. Chapter 1 and 6, Revelation 1 and 6. It says that the Lord has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Not just Peter had a special place and authority. The Lord has made all of us kings and priests. Do you believe this? All of us have been made kings and priests. Skip down to the fifth chapter, Revelation 5, 9 and 10. Revelation 5, 9 says, They sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the book. Who are they singing about, church? Who are they singing about? The Christ, the Son of the living God. You are worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood 
out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. I want you to notice a word that is not in there. Race. Now the reason I say it, some modern translations put the word race in there. And they should not. I've studied this some myself. And as far as I can tell, the word race does not appear anywhere in the Bible. Why? Well, you've heard me talk about this. Some years ago, I asked the Lord a question about racism, and he gave me the answer. It satisfied me. It's, I'm settled on it. Now, he said the root of racism is race. And you can't get rid of racism if you hold on to the concept of race. No matter what you do, you can't. And the concept of race is based on the theory of evolution. That we human beings have evolved from lower life forms. And if we evolved from a lower life form, there will always be subspecies. Come on, did you hear that or not? Subspecies. And that's what race is. Race does not exist. I know most of the world believes the lie. I know they do. But I'm telling you, the truth will make you free. The Bible said all human beings were created from one blood. Is that true or not? Then any talk about pure blood this or that is ignorance and confusion. Because we either all came from Adam and Eve or we didn't. And here you see where the differences are. Kindred. Well, that's your kinfolks. That's your family. With me, who's my kinfolks? The Moors, the Weathers on my grandma's side, the nieces. That's my kinfolks. Tongue. What's my tongue? Supposed to be English. I'm close. (laughs) And my people. Again, this is not race. Who's my people? Well, growing up, my people were southern people, rural people. Now my people is you. What do you mean? Faith people. Is that right? You're my people. Can you see that? And then he said, uh, nation. Well, what's our nation? We know that. U.S. of A. But nothing in here about race. Because it doesn't exist. It's It's a complete fabrication of human beings. Now, if you don't think you believe that or not, I challenge you. Do some study. Put your nose in the books. Find out. The race concept has come from evolution and then was reinforced by Nazi Germany. You don't want to be associated with either one of them. We did not evolve from lower life forms. We were created in the image and likeness of the Almighty God. Yeah. There's not different races 
are categories of human beings. We're all from the same stuff. You get rid of race, you'll get rid of racism. Until you get rid of race, you can't be free of racism. It'll always exist. No charge for that. That's all extra. Verse 10. You've redeemed us to our God out of, by your blood out of every kindred, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation. And verse 10, what? And you have made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign. Woo! We shall reign. Where? On the earth. Now we don't see the fullness of this yet. There's coming a time when there's going to be no more kingdom of anything except kingdom of God. But you and I can enjoy the first fruits of our authority. The earnest of our inheritance which is a foretaste of what is to come. Why? By exercising authority in our own personal lives and regions here and now. What does it mean? The keys of the kingdom? Let's find out. I said let's find out. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.